1: And it is time for another edition of Mixed Shots. I am Bill Jones with the great Everson Walls, future Hall of Famer Everson Walls, I might add, and Mickey Spagnola. We are one week down, uh, just over three weeks to go now before the Cowboys kick off this 2020 regular season at the Los Angeles Rams. How you guys doing this morning?
2: I'm doing great and sitting here uh, at the start, watch practice at the Ford Center and ready to take some
3: shots today. All right, how about you Everson? I am feeling good, I have your optimism today Bill, everything is about Cowboys, everything is about the season getting going and we are looking forward to the Super Bowl, where's your hat? That's what I want to know. Where's your Super Bowl hat?
1: I tried. I need to get In fact, uh, the Super Bowl is going to be carried on CBS once again this year. Uh, and so I need to get my CBS Super Bowl hat to get ready to make the trip to Tampa. We're ready. And in fact, Drew Pearson may be making the trip to Tampa. Uh, As uh, some big news for him, we'll get into over the course of the uh, next hour. And that moves, see, Mickey, that moves Everson one step closer (laughs) to getting into Canton, don't you think? Absolutely should, right? Uh, You never know
2: how those wheels turn up there in Canton. but. Uh, I think Everson should be absolutely next. And I was going to be hesitant to bring it up because I didn't know if Everson would like, oh, he's getting in and I'm not. Uh,
3: <laughs> no, no. you But know, good you know, for Drew. Yeah, I know you. That's you know, right. guys, I love me some Drew. I mean, uh, everybody does. I mean, that's the, that's why he was the, I think he was the only senior nominee this year because to me that's just making up for lost time. Uh, that's like a makeup call. In basketball, they know they shouldn't have done it, and they're trying to go back and 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 reverse their mistake. So good job by the, the Hall of Fame committee.
2: Yeah, it's almost like they cleared the table off. It's like let's not confuse this, right? <laughs> and have two or three nominees. We're going to have one
1: and get it right. And uh, and so by being the lone senior finalist, uh, that's when you know somebody screwed up, guys. This place Saturday before the Super Bowl february 6th uh in tampa and um you have to get 80 percent of the vote a virtual shoe-in and uh, what's interesting about it is the fact that of course back in january uh, we all saw drew was so emotional when he did not get the call and uh, he got the call from david baker uh earlier this week and now oddly enough with this pandemic uh, Jimmy's going in next year, the actual induction ceremony. Cliff Harris as well. So as it turns out, if Drew gets voted in on February 6th, he'll go <laughs> in with everybody else, just like he got, as if he would have been voted in uh, back in January. A Cowboys jamboree in Canton, Ohio. Absolutely. Hey, see,
3: that the pandemic is the great, it's the great equalizer. That's what that pandemic was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, it was Mickey. a great
3: equalizer. I love that. I love All it. Right. Everything turned out well.
1: Uh, We'll talk more about that uh, over the course of the next hour and take your comments on it as well. But, uh, Mickey, we had a practice once again this morning. We had a Mike McCarthy press conference at 7.15 a.m., and you took it all in. Give us an update what you know uh, from Cowboys practice this morning.
2: Well, they did a a, a split uh, location practice, I should say, Uh, did the individual drills outdoors on on the grass field and then when they went into the team period they moved inside to the uh, ford center so uh, not sure why he split it like that i don't know if he's getting paranoid of people watching the team practice outdoors uh with the all the construction going on or 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 what the deal is but uh you know they had practice indoors uh the the previous day uh, and and then they did half and half uh, today so uh, individual drills and then really do working hard indoors uh, on a two-minute drill hurry-up offense they've done that now uh, for the past couple days uh, and, and it's been uh, pretty exciting to watch they did have uh, a couple I, I don't know if I should call them minor injuries Jordan Lewis uh, left uh, or as soon as they started the practice indoors. Looked like he got tangled up a little bit of a, an ankle maybe. Uh, Tyron Smith uh, left during individual drills, so I'm not sure what was going on there. Uh, and as for updates on Everson Griffin, uh, he was in uniform uh, but really didn't do much, uh, especially when they went to team. He and uh, Don Terry Poe, who's now af- off of po, uh, pup. Uh, basically, during the team sessions, uh, they were just uh, watching. So, uh, pretty spirited practice, and I thought uh, Cedric Wilson kind of put his hand up in the air and said, "Hey, don't forget about me." Uh, everybody talks <laughs> about the first three wide receivers, and he had himself quite a day today uh, during
3: the there team. There you session. go. There you go. Good stuff. Good stuff. I, I, so, it seems weird. Uh, the Cowboys go from from Forest Lane over by by Hamilton Park where I grew up, Bill. You know where that was. And uh, they were always worried about being spied on but from the hotel, uh, the Days Inn, which, you know, has two stories and we had the little six foot fence. So they would always spy on our practices. The Cowboys have gone all the way from Forest Lane uh, to Frisco and they still might have that same concern so just think about how weird that is. That's one thing you got to think about.
2: Hey, Everson, you know what? The other night, I saw a special uh, on the news, and, and it was about Hamilton Park. Uh, and uh, a guy that grew up there went to school uh, at the elementary school, and now he's the assistant principal at the elementary school there in, in Hamilton Park. So they gave me a little history lesson of where you grew up.
3: Oh, yeah, and, and that's, you can, you can, uh, kind of uh, uh, surmise from the from the special, just how proud we were as a people. Uh, it was really, when they talk about a project, they talk about the development uh, of uh, African Americans, uh, Hamilton Park is like no other. Uh, I, I was able to deal with Gil Brandt, Tech Schramm, uh, Hollywood Henderson, Drew Pearson. I was able to deal with all of those different personalities on the football field because when I grew up in Hamilton Park, we had every type of person that you ever wanted to come across—rich, poor, intelligent, crazy. So I, I, it was like a sociology project, and, and that, that got me ready for the uh, craziness that was uh, up there at the Forest Lane and the Agents back in the day, Twin Sixties Hotel yeah. as well.
2: Yeah, I didn't realize it was a planned neighborhood, and that was where they allowed. Uh, I guess, the black folks to be able to
3: live within the the city limits, it seemed
2: like.
3: Returning World War II veterans uh, and also Korean War veterans as well, uh, that was what it was for. I don't know how this black doctor pulled it off to buy this primo land on the north side of Dallas. They've been trying to boot us off that hill ever since. (laughs) We're still hanging in there. We're still hanging in there.
1: <laughs> well, it was interesting. So, <laughs> well, making one note about uh, practice today, Everson Griffin has worked his way around to wearing his customary number ninety-seven uh, for the Cowboys. Originally, he was got believing going to be ninety-six. Uh, he's now ninety-seven. Um, Tristan Hill has switched to seven. What is he? Seventy-two. Seventy-two. Now? Seventy-two. Yes. Yeah.
2: And Neville Gallimore moved to 96.
1: Okay. All right. So for those of you keeping track at home, that, that is your roster update, your numerical roster. So you can now update that on your respective uh, computers. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the news of the week to kick things off. And, of course, uh, it was the first practice in pads on Monday About 45 minutes into the practice, Gerald McCoy goes down with a ruptured right quadriceps tendon, had surgery the next day, Cowboys release him the next day, and as it turns out, he had a quad injury, in fact, not just a quad injury, but a right quad injury clause in his contract, and so uh, he gets uh, his signing bonus, but the Cowboys are off the hook for the rest of his contract. Take us through that, Mickey.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty savvy contract uh, the Cowboys uh, put together. So when he it took his original uh, physical, uh, it, when it checked out, they saw a pre-existing condition uh, with the right quadricep. So in the contract, uh, they put a clause in there that said if something happens with the right uh, quadricep tendon or anything related to the right quadricep, uh, that the, the, the contract basically comes null and void, and the only money that we're guaranteeing him that he will receive uh, was the $3 million signing bonus. So any other guarantees, uh, the per roster guar- uh, game played guarantee, uh, salary cap, uh, that all went away. So the Cowboys ended up uh, putting 4.75 million back into the cap for this year. Now, his charge on the $3 million signing bonus will be spread over two years, uh, $1 million this year, $2 million in dead money uh, next year. So uh, obviously, they saw something when he signed here. And Bill and Everson, I was just wondering, maybe that's the reason why uh, the Cowboys were able to sign him when you know other teams maybe backed off, is that they were willing to gamble the $3 million uh, to bring him aboard, uh, where maybe other teams weren't. You know, we had we had said originally, and, I, and there was probably something to this that he wanted to get closer to his son, who was going to be a freshman at Oklahoma on scholarship, uh, and, and that may have had something to do with it. But it also maybe he didn't have a lot of people knocking on his door because of uh, the pre-existing condition with his quad.
3: And I'm sure, man, as, as, as things went on, I'm sure he wasn't looking forward to this type of scenario. Uh, just so happened the Cowboys anticipated it, and I'm sure it was no big secret as well. Like you said, Spags, that's why no one was signing him at the time. They put that clause in. They were willing to eat the, the three million-plus if that was to happen. Uh, I think it's kind of sad, though. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I thought we saw some, some good things, that were going to happen. We could, we could foresee some good things that we, we were hoping that would happen with McCoy. Uh, it would have been nice to see him in that uniform and play out the season and see just what he could do for us. Uh, I guess when it's all said and done, you know, it's a consolation prize that he does. He is able to get the money and able to, to stay down here with his son. Uh, but it's kind of what I spoke about last show, guys. Uh, this pace that we're dealing with in regards to the season, in regards to no preseason games, in regards to the accelerated pace on getting this team ready. uh, These injuries are going to wreak havoc on the Cowboy roster. uh, And we may go into the season uh, with some very uh, uh, odd combinations when it comes to the roster itself. Uh, And I'm, I'm, I'm very curious Uh, to see how the Cowboy coaching staff and their training staff is going to deal with all of these different injuries coming and with the accelerated pace that they're dealing with. It's going to be an odd combination for the team to deal with, more so, of course, than a regular season uh, when you're dealing with this accelerated pace and the COVID thing going on. Uh, It's gonna be uh, like juggling balls, really. It's gonna be like a, a juggling act for the coaching staff and the training staff. You know, Emerson,
2: I, 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 I agree with you on that. And uh, they've done a pretty good job so far, because if it's a two-hour practice, the first hour is all special teams and individual drills. So there's really minimal contact. And the unfortunate thing of this one was it was during the in- individual drills where all they were doing was coming off the ball uh, and, and having another defensive lineman across from the other guy and just kind of acting like he's an offensive lineman. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, when, when Anton, Antoine Woods came off, and it happened, uh, we were watching from the quarterback club in the Cowboys club. It was right below us, and, and, and he stepped on his foot. Uh, that's what
3: I thought happened. It looked like he stepped on his foot. That's exactly on his what I foot thought. And when he went back, you got
2: 300 pounds standing on one of your your feet and it and it, it ruptured the tendon in his quad. So it was kind of a weird one. You know, it wasn't like sprinting downfield or pushing off and trying to tackle somebody. And they haven't done that yet, by the way, either. There's been no tackling. There's been bumping. Uh, as a matter of fact, I saw Jalen Smith today. It was a running play by the sideline, and he nailed the running back out of, and knocked him out of bounds. And then when the guy got up, I said, oh, it's 20, not 21, so it's okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing, one thing that we talk about, these are pretty much non-contact drills that we're talking about. Once the season starts, yes, yes, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to see the injury report after the first ball game, after yeah. full contact, after all of the intensity, uh, the guys are trying to hold everything for the first game, trying to hold it in. This, it, the, the, the injury list for after the first game is going to be so long and so confusing. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a trip. It's gonna well, be a as
1: trip. is the case as <laughs> is the case every year, you know, early in training camp, there's always a lot of injuries, and uh, the ACL count as of about 24 hours ago across the league was, I believe, at eight. Normally, uh, one doctor said that they in a typical NFL season you have 50 ACL injuries across the league, and so we are one week into this, and there uh, as of yesterday there were eight ACL injuries across the league and and again as you said Everson uh, teams aren't going necessarily full speed all the time at all uh, right now and you know the hitting hasn't started or anything like that and so uh, it's and it's going to be interesting this year as you say because they did not have the typical off-season uh, to see how many more injuries. If if indeed we do have more injuries as we go along, what about? Uh, and by the way, I'm monitoring uh, our. Of course, we're streaming as usual on Periscope. I'm monitoring Periscope. So if you have any comments, any questions, uh, I can pass them along to Mickey and Everson here. Uh, but what about? Uh, what do the Cowboys do now with McCoy out? I think one of the Not only uh, his ability on the field but his presence in the locker room is something that they're going to really miss. Uh, you know if you know anything about Gerald McCoy you know that he has such a positive outlook on life it was evident even as he posted videos from his hospital bed prior to surgery and after surgery he says that he still wants to be a mentor to these uh, young defensive linemen that he had uh, established a relationship with even though now he can't go in the building because he's been released by the team he's still gonna uh, connect with them but but uh, how how do the Cowboys offset the loss because they were counting on Gerald McCoy to be a big part Yeah, Bill, and you
2: know we talked about that previously about his influence in the locker room. Uh, They they will miss that because I think those young guys were following him, especially uh, Tristan Hill uh, and Neville Gallimore. What a great example! Uh, What a great personality mentor for those guys. And you know, always felt like a guy like Tristan Hill really needed that after he kind of had a washout uh, rookie season. But he seems to have turned things around a little bit. His body looks better, uh, his enthusiasm looks better, uh, and when they're going out there, and uh, you know he, he, he's 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 taken the place uh, in, in a lot of the snaps of, of Gerald McCoy, and so has uh, Tyrone Crawford. Uh, and so between those two guys and Gallimore, they're going to have to fill that spot. And it maybe takes three guys to do it. And I always thought that was going to be a rotation uh, position there anyway, that you know McCoy wasn't going to play 50, 45 to 55 snaps a game, uh, that, that they would try to get some young guys in there. Now, if they earn it, uh, they're getting every opportunity to do so. Now we're going to see what you got, Tristan Hill. Uh, we're going to see what you got, Neville Gallimore, and if those guys, you know, don't, don't grab some snaps, then Tyrone Crawford's going to be your three technique, uh, especially on first and second downs, and if they go to nickel, I wouldn't be surprised. Look, they've got some big defensive ends, right? Alden Smith is 280. Uh, Joe Jackson's 285. Those guy, and Jackson rushed some from inside. You know those guys can easily move inside and, and create some problems. And then you got Antoine Woods uh, at the nose tackle position. Don Terry Poe hasn't practiced yet, uh, so I'll be interested to see if if uh, and, and you, you know a little bit about Antoine, right? He, he's not a give up guy, so I'm sure he's thinking, okay, you brought in Poe, but I'm going to fight for
3: my snaps. And when you look at uh, the roster. Uh, the, 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 the core of this team, they all seem to be around the same age uh, and also the same temperament. You, you look at the offensive lineman, you don't really have an outspoken guy on the offensive lineman. I think Looney might have been one of the more charismatic guys on the, on the O-line. Uh, you're looking at the quarterback position, running back position, D-line. No one really stands out as that uh, boisterous player. Uh, you bring in a guy like Everson Griffin, who's really not that boisterous. He's just a guy that does work uh, as best he can. But I didn't. I don't recall him being that vocal leader. They're going to have to rely on, I don't know, either uh, one person is going to have to step up and be that person that inspires you. Maybe Woods would be that guy. But for the most part, everyone on that team seems to have the same temperament. No one seems to step out as that person that's unusually uh, boisterous or that, that vocal leader, uh, it would be nice to, to keep McCoy around, but like you said, he can't come to the practice field anymore, uh, but it would be nice to, for him sometime in the future to be that voice for the team in the locker room. have a team full of players that are almost of the same temperament. I think that's why when things start to go wrong in the ball game, you really don't see uh, a a sense of urgency coming from any particular player. You don't have that Michael Irvin or that Dez Bryant over there, you know, trying to, you know, punching at the air and 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 getting people fired up. I think they're gonna need that person. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you need someone, maybe it would be Coach McCarthy. He can go out there and throw a red flag at a referee and hit him in the face. And then that might inspire some people. But you don't have that on the team right now. I hope they can, they can find someone that can inspire them uh, verbally in that way. When Everson brought up the
2: makeup call earlier in the show, I was thinking, "Yeah, they sure didn't have a makeup call for two uh, technical fouls on a basketball player." <laughs>
1: that's, that's exactly right. And, and,
2: and I'll just add this: I know we have to we have to go to break, but uh one of the guys that has become more vocal now that he's at middle life. hold on
1: hold on hold on mickey hold on Ow. let's let's tease that let's tease that i want to know i'll tell you after this yes let's take a break and we will let you know who mickey thinks that vocal guy who will step up in gerald mccoy's
0: absence when we come back on Mix shots hey there cowboys fans with tight cleaners at home pickup and delivery Back back, back. to shots. Looking for something
1: to change up your dinner routine? Help support local Frisco businesses by choosing one of the Star District restaurants. For information on delivery, takeout, curbside pickup, and dine-in availability, visit thestardistrict.com. Yes, there is activity in the Star District and obviously inside the star as well inside ford center the cowboys have wrapped up another day of practice they're in meetings and probably have a walk through this afternoon i'm not sure exactly what the schedule is the rest of the day but that's typically the way it works as uh yesterday it wasn't a day off for the players they, it was a day off as far as practice goes but they did have meetings and walk throughs and then they'll pray, practicing again tomorrow morning uh, and uh, mickey as we went to break everson was talking about the loss of gerald mccoy And uh, who's going to replace Gerald as that vocal leader that we anticipated that Gerald might be a part of? Who do you have in mind as a guy who's going to step up in that capacity?
2: Well, I don't know about in the locker room, but I've seen it on the field already. And that guy that's kind of taken charge of that defense uh, is Leighton They moved him. They've moved him to the middle linebacker spot, so he's getting the call. Uh, the defensive call from uh, Mike Nolan in his helmet, uh, relaying it to the rest of the team. So that doesn't make you a leader. I could go out there and relay the call, probably, <laughs> if I could remember it all, right? Uh, I but, know you're not trying to compare yourself to Layton. Let's No, I'm right just there. comparing myself to relaying the call. <laughs> Anybody can do that, right? Uh, but... He, he, I, I see him being more vocal of getting guys lined up, making checks uh, at the line of scrimmage, or whatever they need to do. Uh, and he's talked about how he feels like uh, he's a little bit more in charge now that he's at the middle linebacker spot. So from an on-field presence, uh, look for him uh, to kind of be that guy uh, being more vocal. Uh, and, and then if you need the emotion, uh, I guarantee it you can get it from either one of those defensive ends, uh, from either DeMarcus Lawrence uh, and from what I've heard of Everson Griffin, uh, probably him. As a matter of fact, guys, he, I just saw where uh, he was doing his uh, interview today while we were getting going, uh, and Rob, Rob Phillips pointed out that uh, Griffin talked about uh, the Cowboys being the, his, his favorite team growing up, uh, and we talked about this last week. We beat him to the punch uh, and said he was uh, named after the great Everson Walls. Yeah, so he, he talked about it in track. his press
1: conference today.
3: Uh, yes, he did. All right. He, he he talks like that, but then he he doesn't even know what position I played, so I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> he Mickey, like, this he is your... safety or linebacker. He said safety or linebacker or something like that. So well, you know, I'm, he didn't name himself. It was his dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. When I talk to him, I'm going to be wagging my finger in his face like some old dude. Though. We're going to we're going to have to get you two
1: together, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Mickey, we need to get them together on this show. That's your assignment for thank the you. Coming Appreciate weeks. it. Is, is to get Everson Griffin on with Everson Walls so he can uh, go down memory lane. All right, uh, on the topic of the uh, vocal leader, Everson, who on your teams was, I mean, we know who the big personalities were, but who are the real locker room leaders on those teams that you played on?
3: You know, uh, when you start talking about locker room leaders, that's one thing. Uh, I happen to be one of those locker room lawyers. I don't know if the leader <laughs> and lawyer go in the same category as far as coaches are concerned, but we've all, we have all had a, a team full of veterans. And one guy that I, I really uh, enjoyed listening to when he was my mentor was, uh, both of them have to be DBs actually, Dennis Thurman mm-hmm. and Charlie Waters. Uh, Charlie Waters was was just my own personal cheerleader because he wanted to make sure I made as many plays as possible because he's playing on one leg back there, so <laughs> he needed as much help as possible. But uh, he was a guy that was always in the coach's ear, uh, always doing those things behind the scenes to make the, the scheme, the defensive scheme, uh, more compatible to the team that we were playing against. That's what I liked about Charlie. You know, coaches will go out there and they'll have an idea of, of what's best for the players you need a player to say what's best for the players, and Charlie was that guy. Dennis Thurman also uh, was a guy that, that that followed in that same suit, wanted to make sure that the players were in the best position to make plays in this difficult flex defense that we had to deal with. Uh, so those two guys were always those uh, uh, locker room leaders, uh, but when it came down to it, unfortunately back then, uh, you had a lot of people that were afraid to speak up because you know the cowboy locker room back then was a little bit rigid, a little bit more rigid as far as the owners were concerned as far as the coach was concerned so we had to we had to we had to find our leaders in some obscure places <laughs> and those two guys were the ones that really inspired me uh, now if you want to talk about guys like Harvey Martin uh, who was always fired up he was just and an engine within itself. Uh, Randy White was the same way, but just don't get in his way because he knocked the hell out of you, too, as a teammate. So you have all kinds of ways that people inspired each other and inspired their teammates, but this team was a little bit more rigid than the team that we're talking about right now.
1: Yeah, they you know, didn't, they didn't have many. present-day terms, Sean Lee would be a guy uh, today, in the latter stages of his career, for what Charlie Waters was to you in the latter stages of his career back when you came into the league in the early 80s. Uh and so there needs to be a, a, like a Leighton Van Vander Esch, Jalen uh Smith, DeMarcus Lawrence, so, uh, that type of guy who's in the in the pro bowl portion of their career where they can be uh big time leaders. They're playing every play. And 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 uh you know, on
2: Everson's team, while you know you have to kind of define leader, but they didn't have a lot of shy guys in that locker room. That's right. That's uh, you right. know, he mentioned Randy White. Uh, I, I can still hear the booming voice of John Dutton. Uh, he, I forgot about John. He was not shy, right? Uh, Eugene Lockhart, I wouldn't call him shy either. Uh, so yeah, they had some characters in that locker room uh, for sure.
3: I, I so think how, when so it came to inspiration, but big? when it came to inspiration, Bill, uh, they they wouldn't inspire you as much as they would put the fear of God in you if you didn't make the play. So that was the difference.
1: <laughs> don't, but don't you think that, that teams that that uh, are successful, you have to have a collection of guys like that that are big personalities.
3: Yes, you do. And, and the fact that they were veterans, they were already there. They had already gone through so much. They had, a couple of them had already been through more than one Super Bowl. So, yes, you had a lot of people that you could look up to in regards to inspiration. But it was up to you to find that inspiration. They weren't going to throw it out there for you. Like I said, the, the inspiration they gave you came through threats to your physical body <laughs>
1: well, just, and just think about the wide receiving core on that team and it relates to today's wide receivers you know uh when you got drew pearson tony hill and butch johnson in your wide receiving core they're not lacking for confidence <laughs> no
2: absolutely not and 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 these top three guys um and we'll see where cd lamb goes i mean he's a rookie uh but gallup uh, Amari Cooper. Uh, I, I said last year they're the un-wide receivers because they're very <laughs> humble. Uh, they, they, they're not boisterous. Uh, now they're they're confident in themselves, uh, but, but they're yes, not we what are. we're used to seeing with
3: cowboy wide receivers. Yes, I cannot compare those three guys mm-hmm. to any of the receivers that we've had going back to even Michael Irvin, but. Drew Pearson, Tony Hill, and Bush Johnson—you had more infighting than you did have, uh, you know, kumbaya moments, so to speak. So, uh, so it, it so was—it 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 was lively for the reporters back then. All you had to do was say one buzzword, and you get them fired up, and you have a—you have a story.
1: <laughs> hey, throw in Jay Saldi at tight end. He was was one of the best interviews on the team.
2: (laughs) Hey, and and Tony Dorsett wasn't shy either, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's just
3: keep going. Let's let's just keep
2: it it going, guys. I keep bringing up guys (laughs) in that quadrant where Everson Walls lived once they they moved out
3: to uh, Valley Ranch. Hey, and one thing... Ron, Ron, Ron said he wouldn't make it to Valley Ranch, and he wasn't lying. Yeah. He said, I'll never make it to Valley Ranch. Uh, and, and talking about, and I thought this was interesting. Mike Nolan did his uh, interview
2: yesterday, and he was talking about Alden Smith. Uh, and one of the things uh, he pointed out, he goes, number one, uh, I like Alden Smith's interaction with the other players, to be honest with you. he's a He's a team player. He's got a lot of personality. I like the way he uh, interacts with Demarcus Lawrence and Tyrone Crawford uh, with a number of guys. I see that chemistry starting to build. Uh, And then Dak was asked about uh, Alden today. They asked him, you know, does he look like a guy out there that hasn't played in five years? And, uh, And Dak Prescott said he's a man. He's a monster, and he damn sure doesn't look like he hasn't played in five years. And he had a really good day today. He had pressure uh, on the pocket no matter who the quarterback was. And and once, uh, you know, there was no Tyron Smith there. All oh, those poor young guys. They're just they're, – <laughs> How do I say it politely? Well, they're learning a lot, okay.
1: Well, and how about so how about the McCarthy? Kid. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> hey, hey, Mike McCarthy, this morning, his first questions about Alden Smith, and they, uh, I don't remember exactly how it was posed, but uh, McCarthy's answer was, "I think if anyone sees him on the practice field, their reaction is going to be." Who's that number 58? Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that's what's kind of impression he's making out there on the field. But that's what the, Cow, the Cowboys need players like that, and especially in building that chemistry. You got I mean, think of the Cowboys Super Bowl teams of the 90s and the personalities you had on that team. And that's what this defense, I thought, has always
2: been lacking because everybody was kind of quiet, you know, nice guys. And, and it's like, yeah, you need some rabble-rousers out there. Uh, you know, this, the, 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 we're, we're not in a choir here, so, uh, you know, I, I think that's good. And it sounds like some of that is, is starting to uh, build, and, and it's building, and yet there's been minimal contact. So once the contact starts up, uh, we'll, we'll see a little bit more feistiness from some of these guys.
1: And I, I think on let, that let, defense. Let's, go ahead, Everson. I
3: was going to say, let's, let's uh, put uh, a little onus on the coaches as well. You know, Spag, you talk about Mike Nolan. I think he's a very aggressive defensive coordinator, and I think the Cowboys need that. I think his, his defensive calls, I think the way he's gonna use his linebackers uh, deceptively when it comes to blitzes, uh, the aggressiveness that he's gonna have with his upfront seven players, I think that's really gonna bold a lot. I think it's gonna lend a lot to the attitude that this team has once they start really playing ball games and hopefully they show the success uh, with the potential that they have, I think that is also gonna be a a good thing uh, for the Cowboys uh, defensive front. It's going to allow aggression. It's going to allow, I think, for a lot of turnovers because Mike Nolan has always used his linebackers in a very uh, uh, effective blitz uh, uh, style. And I think that's going to really open things up. It's like if you have a good three-point shooter, that three-point shooter is going to open it up for the postman uh, down low. And I think these, these blitzes coming from the linebackers, is going to open it up more for Demarcus Lawrence, for Alvin Smith, and players to, to use their aggression even more than, than they would so in normal circumstances.
2: You know, and I don't think I'm giving away any secrets here, but, you know, it's been talked about how, uh, Alden Smith has been used uh, on the right defensive end spot, standing up instead of being in a three-point stance. And boy, when he stands up, you think, well, if it's a running play, he's he he might be you know susceptible to getting blocked. But his arms are so long, you know, he can keep guys off him, uh, and uh, he's been pretty effective over there. And I'll say it again, especially when Tyron Smith's not in the game. <laughs>
1: Well, and then how about Demarcus Lawrence uh, standing him up some too? Yeah, and uh, and he's he hasn't done it quite as much, uh,
2: and and again, you know, the last time I saw this take place, uh, you know, when they they kind of went to that three-four with Bill and Demarcus uh, Ware was standing up. And then I saw DeMarcus Ware backpedaling in coverage. And it's like, I don't want to see DeMarcus Ware going backwards. I want him going forward, right? Uh, and so I'll be interested to see if they, if they get into any of those schemes. You know, are, are you going to use those guys in coverage? Because they're basically your outside linebacker. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how they do that. Because I guarantee you, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence hasn't had to drop off the line of scrimmage much and cover anybody.
1: You know, one of the things when you stand up a Demarcus Lawrence or an Alden Smith or Everson Griffin, for that matter, uh, you can you can do some things to to find mismatches on your pass rush where they can go inside as well. If you go back and look at the Saints last year, they did a lot of that on their in their front four where they moved guys around. Uh, and there were multiple in that respect. Of course, Nolan wasn't the DC there in New Orleans last year; he was the linebackers coach. But I think some of those concepts—I uh, think you can see him employing that, which we haven't seen as much of here in Dallas over the years.
3: Yeah, I, and, and that you know takes what? Away from the uh, predictability, Bill—that's mm-hmm. uh, what we were uh, for the last few years. I think that's been our weakness. Uh, we've been happy to come out and show the offense just exactly what we're doing. We line up the same way all the time. I don't care if it was a two-minute drill or if it was uh, the beginning of the game. And I thought that that led us to a lot of disadvantages. Uh, And that's why we were always so predictable as far as not getting turnovers as well. The the offense is always gonna know where you are. Uh, There were no surprises. We just started putting in the blitzes really last year uh, when uh, 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 the, the, the new uh, defensive coach came in. And those are the things that you just can't waste a play in that regard. To me, that's, called, that's just taking a play for granted. You, can't, you, you should always be able to show a change up in what you do. You have to mentally keep your offense off guard when it comes to how good they are uh, at this time in, in, in football. Offenses are so explosive. So defensively, you have to take advantage of where you are strong. And if that has to be a little bit of misdirection coming from your defensive coordinator and from your staff, then that needs to be used. We have sorely missed that the last few years here with the Cowboys.
1: All right, when we continue here on Mixed Shots, there's so much uh, more to get into. I want to pick uh, Mickey's brain on some other things that he's seen through the first week of training camp practices at Ford Center at the
0: Star in Frisco. Mick Shots continues in just a moment. What do you call a group of grown men and women who get together every week proudly wearing the star to share a three-hour long ritual of cheering, shouting at the TV, and raising their Miller Light together while yelling, how about them boys? You call it Miller Time and Cowboys Nation. Here's to the only beer of the Cowboys celebrating 60 years of greatness. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2020 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Back, back, back. To mixed shots,
1: get the ultimate fan experience for the ultimate Cowboys fan. Join Dallas Cowboys United and get an exclusive DCU fan pack and member benefits. Membership start at only twenty dollars. Visit dallascowboys.com/United. To join today, Mix Shots continues now. Bill Jones with Mickey Spagnola, who is experiencing some technical difficulties right now, I understand. And uh, Everson Walls, we are streaming live on Periscope as well, take you to the top of the hour. And leading up to uh, the start of the regular season, we'll be here on a weekly basis on Thursdays at uh, 11 a.m. And uh, Cowboys. We'll practice again tomorrow, take uh, Saturday off, then three straight practices Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And uh, we're now just over three weeks away from the start of the regular season. that regular season is going to be here before you know it when the Cowboys play September 13th, a Sunday night game at the Los Angeles Rams, and the first home game the following Sunday on September 20th against the Atlanta Falcons. Everson, are you there? I'm here. Right, you are there. Okay. You're you're <laughs> echoing in my ear, but you are there. <laughs> Everson, I'm let everywhere. Ask, <laughs> let me let me ask you about the cornerbacks and um, Trayvon Diggs has been worked in a little bit uh, throughout the first week. We'll get more on that from Mickey when he gets reestablished hmm. here. But uh, what are you hoping to see uh, emerge out of this training camp at the cornerback position?
3: Well, I hope they have a, a, a guy that they can, they can depend on. Uh, I hope they have someone that they can, uh, 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 have some, can make some plays for us, uh, someone that we can keep up with the athleticism because we always have athletic cornerbacks. And that's what I like about it. But I want someone that can make the plays that need to be made. When you start talking about our secondary, we were reactionary. Uh, We didn't anticipate anything. And that's the the problems that you have with a lot of just so-so defensive backfields. You have to be, uh, as a unit, you have to have a culture there that can be smart and anticipate the plays that are coming your way. I don't care uh, how good an offense is. Each one of them falls into a pattern. And you have to, as a defensive back, be smart enough to find that pattern. That's what Charlie Waters and Dennis Thurman did for me. They showed me how to study uh, my opposition. And so that way I wouldn't be reactionary. I could anticipate what was gonna come my way. Those interceptions, some of those interceptions weren't just about athletic ability that I made back in the day. Those interceptions was because I studied and because I had good study partners, people that showed me how to prepare for big time ball games and play against big time wide receivers. So not only are you studying the formations and uh, the tendencies offensively, you're also studying your opponent, that single wide receiver that you're going against. And I don't think that we've been doing that in the past, hopefully they can change that culture here back to the way it was to where we understood exactly what the offense was trying to do to us and how this particular wide receiver was trying to set us up. Trayvon Diggs seems to be a guy that can figure that out. Uh, hopefully he can do it on this next level as well because he did it well in college. And you've got other uh, uh, defensive backs back there such as HaHa Clinton dix who can be that anchor for you uh, in, in, at a safety position and protect those corners and make sure that they have confidence in their safeties the way I had confidence in guys like Dexter Klinscale, Michael Downs, and uh, Charlie Waters.
1: I think you know
2: I'm back, guys
1: can you hear me yes, yes. it looks right. like you're back now <laughs> you know uh, mickey We got to give some credit to Everson here to pull back the curtain a little bit. You know, we were discovering that if you open up another one of these little WebEx (laughs) windows, it creates an echo effect in our ears that makes it sound like that you are speaking on a public address system at a stadium where you're hearing your own voice back and forth. And so Everson. When he went through that whole little uh, (laughs) soliloquy there, he uh, was hearing himself uh, for the first minute or so of that, but he fought through it. And he made it through it and he delivered, uh, he came through in the crunch. So kudos to you, Everson, for fighting you, through sir. that.
3: Thank you, sir. I, I Thank you, sir. I sounded I thought... like, I sounded like God for a minute there. It was kind no, of unnerving. Uh,
2: you sounded like Lou Gehrig giving his retirement. <laughs> yes, the
3: luckiest
1: man in the world, world, world. <laughs> he's the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And we are we are so lucky that we do not have that in our ears now. All right, Mickey, what you. have you seen uh, in our our last few yes, minutes, yes, Chris. Here, Thank you, I, Chris. I want to give you, yeah, we'll give Chris Beam some, Beam some props there for getting that out of our ears too. Uh, Mickey, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, some of the guys that you've seen through this first week of training camp practices that have caught your eye. Where would you start?
2: Well, you know, you guys were talking about the, the cornerback position, and uh, they've been rotating them guys through, even on the first team. You know, they normally, if uh, if Jordan Lewis was out there, you know, uh, you know, between Awozie, uh, Brown, Lewis, Diggs, uh, Worley, uh, those guys have been rotating through uh, quite a bit, uh, and 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 even in the the secondary, you know, they're giving the the young guys a chance back there, uh, so they they've they've been uh, kind of changing it up. Quite a bit so it's really hard to say okay this guy's first team this guy's second team I don't think that's happened so far uh, who's caught my eye overall um, you know we know about Gallup we we know about Amari Cooper CeeDee lamb just plays this game so effortlessly you know we were watching him catch punts as we were leaving uh, after the practice finished and the guys stay out there and do a little extra and, and, I, and I wrote in shots yesterday, uh, it, it's like, if you know the expression in baseball, catching a can of corn, you know, and, and that, that started, that expression started with the old grocery stores when they used to have the cans up high and they would have a pole and they would pull the can down and you would catch it, right, and put it on the shelf. Well, it's, he catches punts just like that, like it's soft toss. Uh, and, and the other day, they were doing a drill uh, where it was a punt, they were catching punts, but what uh, Fossil was having them do, this new special teams coach, is you, you stand, and it was off the judge machine, so you stand with your back towards the judge machine, and they fire it off, and when the ball hits its apex, he yells, turn, and you gotta turn around, find the ball, and this is indoors, so it's, you're looking up in that, in that roof, it's hard to find it, and then you got to catch it, right? He was doing it like he'd been doing it his whole career. It's, it's just the <laughs> no stutter steps, just standing there, boom, catches it. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he plays so much offensively, will he be o- okay to also return punts? Cedric Wilson's not bad at it either, but CD just does it so so effortlessly. Uh, it's hey, amazing.
1: Mickey, let me, let me throw in something about C.D. that I saw in person. It was at the Cotton Bowl last October. And uh, one of his three touchdown passes in that game. He had an incredible game. Texas wins that game if C.D. Lamb's not on the field for OU. I mean, it, it, he just took over that game. But there was one play in particular where I believe it was a flea flicker. And he's down the right sideline about 25, 30 yards downfield, fairly deep pass. But it was a flea flicker and Jalen Hurts just sort of heaved it high in the air. C.D. sees the ball, the the trajectory of the ball, which is almost, he threw it so high it was almost like a punt. And I'm watching C.D. Lamb. I had a 50-yard line seat, okay? So I'm watching C.D. Lamb, and he took his eye off the ball as it was in mid-flight and surveyed where the secondary was, and then he reached, and then, he looks back up, makes the catch, and then made his way through five defenders for the final 25 yards all the way to the end zone. It was one of the most remarkable things I've seen on a football <laughs> field, but it <laughs> illustrates exactly what you're talking about, just the natural instincts that he has and the confidence that he has, the field presence that he has, That is, uh, is was remarkable.
3: I think the, well, the, the the transition... Let me say this. I, I love the way that, uh, that Bill likes to, to show off his, his Oklahoma uh, uh, affiliation. Uh, nice to know that they give you 50-yard line seats. I'm, gonna, I'm going to play with you. I'm going to the game with you next time, Bill, because I'm, I'm an OU fan myself. But uh, it, it changes everything. When you have the ability to do something that no one else knows how to do, and you work on it so well, it does make you stand out, Bill. Uh, when my dad taught me, how to catch a ball. When he he taught me the the mechanics of how to follow a ball in the air, uh, I didn't know how unique that would make me as a player. C.D. Lamb, uh, he does things like we talk about uh, 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 Beckham does all the time, the the one-handed catches. That makes you an extremely special person. But as far as I'm concerned, if you can do all of that, I, I would love it if you would just be consistent in what you do. Uh, no mispasses, no mistakes, uh, not taking your, your uh, 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 basic fundamental uh, uh, talents for granted. And to me, that would really show me uh, just what a good a player he is because there are times when, yes, those, those amazing plays are going have to have to happen but just show me some consistency day in and day out. Uh, To me, that's more impressive. Uh, When you talk about Amari Cooper, I'm sure he can do all those things that CeeDee Lamb can do, let's be real. But he chooses not to because he's always so consistently good at being the fundamental player that he is. You show me fundamentals day in and day out and success at that. To me, that impresses me more. Even though I do love seeing those plays by C.D. Lamb, especially being an O.U. fan. Well, you know, and,
1: uh, and that play that C.D. made it that I was talking about. I mean, that he I don't he doesn't make he doesn't have the run after catch. On that play, if he didn't do what he did there, so I think it was fundamental to him making that play too. It, it is. Wasn't, he it wasn't is. showing off doing it. He was just that was, uh, but he has that the the natural instincts and so forth, that, and he's confident that okay, I can go ahead and catch that ball. I can take my eye off it and read the defense, and then go back to it. It was it was something else. I
3: think you know, I think, I think the, difference, the difference is uh, been, the difference is now uh, you're going to have players you're going to have defensive players that are going to react a little bit better to that. So how he's going to react to uh, the level of play heightening for him, I can't wait to see how he adjusts to that. And I think he'll do well, Bill. Trust me, I'm a fan of his. I am. Uh, But it's not going to be, as you know, it's not going to be as easy going against uh, some some Big 12 DBs versus going against uh, some Big Time DBs in the NFL. And, Bill, a couple other quick observations. Uh, I, I see why
2: Andy Dalton's been a nine-year starter in the league. He's awfully accurate throwing the football, and I think that has stood out, uh, and that stood out yesterday with Dak. I thought he had one of his best days. The ball, uh, in individual drills or team drills, was not hitting the ground. He, he, he had a, a really, really good day. Uh, and then this one kind of, You know we talked to john fossil yesterday uh and i kind of asked him you know you you cut kai Forbath. uh you know what went into that decision not to have any kicking competition uh in training camp and he basically kind of got away from where i was going and said well we had to get to 80 so we cut the other deep snapper and we cut the other kicker well finally somebody pinned him down and said well have you diagnosed what went wrong with uh, uh greg Zerline last year when his uh field goal percentage dropped to 72 percent uh which i think was the lowest of, of, of his career and uh he said yeah i diagnosed he had a a a bad uh groin strain uh <laughs> and he said all we were doing during the week the last uh six to eight weeks of the season uh we weren't kicking him to try to get him through Uh, and and so it was affecting his swing so he said he's got all the confidence in the world that they will get the Greg Zerline that he'd seen uh, the last eight years while they were together uh, with the Rams well we've only seen him in practice kick twice Uh, and the first time we saw him kick he went six for six and today between 33 and 44 yards he went six for six so Fossil nice. basically was saying, I guarantee you he's going to be one of the top, if not top, kickers uh, in the NFL this year for the next couple years for the Cowboys now that he's over the groin strain uh, that really hampered his swing uh, last year. So that part stepped out because I thought we were going to be charting field goals all training camp.
1: Not, uh, uh, hey, hey Fossil, not so much. Fossil knew what he had in zurline. <laughs> He's, uh, Zer, when Zerline came into the league in 2012, John Fossil was a special teams coach Ryan. with the Rams, and he's been there all the way. And uh, you know it was a priority for uh, Fossil when the uh, free agency started that we've got to sign uh, Greg Zerline. Who's the only other kicker that John Fossil has had in this league as a special teams coordinator? He was with the Rams. Uh, and prior to that, he was the Raiders special teams coach and his kicker those four years in Oakland with Sebastian Janikowski. He's had two kickers in his wow. time as a special teams coach, Janikowski and Zerline. And that will continue this year.
2: Yeah. And uh, and, and so that that that's uh, stood out. And one thing, you know, we I think there was a lot of anticipation that Trayvon Diggs was going to be a step-in starter. Well... He, as as a rookie, he looked like a rookie for a few practices so far. <laughs> he, he's got he's got a ways to go to to beat out the veterans. Let's just put it and and it's not a bad thing. I I, I think it's more of a recognition thing and understanding as as Everson said uh, about C D Lamb. You know he's not going to be going up against Big Twelve corners. Well, Trayvon's not going up against wide receivers uh, that he saw in college. These guys are big time players, so. Uh, but they're working them in and they're giving them opportunities. Uh, I like that. They're giving uh, Reggie Robinson uh, opportunities. Uh, so th- that 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 was a good thing. And, and one other guy that, that I, I wanted to point out that, that is getting uh, opportunities back there is they haven't forgotten about Donovan Wilson. Uh, the safety that had a really good training camp last year and then he kind of faded away once the season started. He's getting opportunities back there also. Uh, at the safety position.
3: He made a lot of turnovers last year uh, for the short amount of time that he uh, was exposed.
1: All right. I think we're out of time on this edition of Mix Shots. Next week, Everson, I want you to tell us a story of how you gave an indoctrination to Michael Irvin when uh, Irvin (laughs) came into the league. Irvin interviewed C.D. Lamb earlier this week on NFL Network, and he was talking about the schooling that Everson Walls gave him in one of his first practices. I don't know if you remember that or not, but next week I want to hear that story, all right? It was several days, so I'll pick one out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. that does it for mixed shots for this week, and we will see you again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Have a great week, everybody.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club.
1: How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!